0: well there you go what an introduction that was a big launch oh. how are you guys greg Oliar and lincoln's bible welcome to the friday edition of narrative how are you guys doing
1: i'm better after watching right. that movie
0: you liked <laughs> it eh it was all yeah. for you i used the word the prevail. prevail
1: in there <laughs> i noticed that
0: i, I yeah did. by the way so did joe biden about three times in his speech he used the word prevail and i was like hmm someone got that into the zeitgeist and i, and I blame I think, you yep, and credit you know. whatever whatever it is i
1: don't know amanda um, gorman did too yeah. She
0: did, right? Oh, she was amazing, right? She was spectacular. I haven't that spoken to you guys awesome. since that all happened. Tell me what you thought.
1: Obviously, it was it was such a relief and a joy. Um, I had been really nervous about it. I, I really thought, with all the the Q proud boy insurrectionist stuff, I, I was concerned. I thought maybe he should just, you know, call the whole thing off, just do the, th- you know, get sworn in and go right to work or whatever. And I'm glad that he didn't. You know, this is why Joe Biden is the president, and I am not, because he made the right call. Um, I think it was great to watch. It was great to watch the former presidents there. Michelle Obama looked like she had, was going to, like, fly off <laughs> into the Marvel Comics universe and start <laughs> actually <laughs> kicking ass. <laughs> um, it, it, was a, it, it was great from a, from a sense of unity. And I try to watch these things, like, with the, with the idea of, okay, what would somebody who doesn't, you know, follow this stuff or isn't really paying attention. What would they think? And I I don't know what in that speech would be bad. I mean, I know Sean Hannity found stuff, but like, it was just a great, great speech. I thought it was simple. And I loved that he talked about truth and how important truth is and telling the truth from lies and how it's our responsibility to do that. Because I really think that was That's what Donald Trump gave us. That was really ultimately his legacy is he waged a four-year war on reality and reality lost. And now not only do we have to reassemble the mess he made, we have to reassemble the reality that he broke apart. Mm -hmm. And that is the biggest challenge. You know, the coronavirus stuff is awful. Obviously, there's a a death toll on par with the Second World War. I have confidence that Joe and that team are going to do everything they can do move heaven and earth to get that going as soon as they can. And, and, and everything that's happened in the last two days has, has borne that out. But the war on truth, man, I think you're right. That's, that's something that's going to take a while. And, uh, (laughs) but I was not, I was not like giddy. I was not joyous. I was mostly relieved and, and sad. I think I was sad a little bit because I, I realized in that moment, um, you know, I've spent a lot of time the last four years on Twitter, um, presenting a hopeful optimism. That's sort of my brand, but you know, I'm terrified. I was terrified. Like everybody else, but I look we're, back down and I'm like, we, we believe we, so we came so close to not winning this thing. Yeah. And if we had lost, everything would have been lost. And I don't think people really realize not, not our audience. I mean, people at large, I think they don't really yeah. realize what the stakes were.
0: Oh, you're and- so right, you're so right. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the reasons I made that movie, it's just I don't know if people realize how close we were and it really did take the citizens of this country to, to move this. I mean, it would not have happened without the actions of so many people on, on social media, in the media in general, people who encouraged the voting, the voting organizing, all that stuff was important to get us to where we are today. And it really yeah. was the citizens who sort of got rid of this uh, you know fascist enemy that was coming upon us. So, and I don't think people realize it was that, they just think it was sort of a regular f- flow of, of business, of politics, but it really yeah. was much bigger than that, and uh, a remarkable story about American democracy. LB, what do you think?
2: Oh well, I echo all of that, and I had the same um, experience. And actually, today, I was just saying to Zeb before we came live it was it was kind of a not a great. It just wasn't a great day, <laughs> not because anything bad happened, it just mood wise, um, I think for all of us that were sort of, you know, trying to pump the truth and facts and hope into a four year war mm-hmm. against those three things specifically, um, it, 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 it's, uh, I think we're, I'm tired. I need a vacation. We all um, do. But you, what you're saying is yeah, so important. And- for, for four when years important and yeah we hung on to it all and that's the the job we took upon ourselves as citizens as well so there was this incredible thing that happened with the election and with uh everyone you know showing up for that despite the post office you know and the and the you know the Information terror ops, right, and the and an entire political po- party willing to just crime and then go for supporting an insurrection, right? Um, it just we you know for four years before all that, there were so many of us, especially this crew, and especially our audience and our followers. My God, yeah. right, yeah. who were retweeting yeah. and and giving us information and connecting it and, ke- and elevating our voices. They did it, right? They rose up and they they did that. They engaged the conversation. No one wanted to be on Twitter. Who wanted to be on Twitter? Yuck. But that's where Donald was. That's where the lies were. That was the front line of the warfare, right, was happening there. So gross. We were all had to get on that gross thing that scrambled our brains along with everyone else as we were trying to fight this. I'm just not a big fan, <laughs> but I'm in there, and you know, and we'll keep going. Uh, in, in terms of the inauguration, I agree, Greg, so much with that speech um, because it was—it wasn't reaching for soaring oration and phrases that would, um, you know, sort of uh, pivot in history or anything. It was just this guy, this man, just spoke to us and uh it was so healing to hear that and have that focus and to know that he he cares and he's clear he's clear about it all he knows what's ahead of us he knows what we can do he believes in us in all of us in ways that we don't necessarily believe in one another anymore because we've had these breaks in our families and breaks in our in our communities that that Monstrosity that that came before made sure there were these rifts um, and this division. So I I just all of that came across for me, and then, then the whole thing and Amanda, oh my God, right? The whole like Greg and yeah. I were texting each other it's during crazy. that poem, going, "Holy!" Because we're both poets, right? So that was that was a masterclass in poetry right there. I yeah. I, I never I never heard anything like that. Yeah. Um, and so all that, and then I, I gotta say this, and I know this has been said a lot. I really loved, I, I who wants these stupid balls? I don't want these stupid, I've been to those balls, not an inauguration ball, but all that high society crap. Yeah. It's gross. It's not accessible. I'm so glad that was gone. I loved it. I loved the, that it was so intimate to be in the inauguration celebration instead of just watching these fancy people dance, uh, who cares, right? I wanted the music. Yeah. It was a party and we were invited to the party. It was a party for us, finally. So uh, I love that. I don't want to ever go, I think that should be the way it is. I
0: thought this forever. picture of, of them arriving at the White House after walking down Pennsylvania Avenue, they just looked so yeah. good and so comfortable. The family was there with them. I- and there they were you know just just, there's not too much pomp and ceremony around them it almost looks like the you know you can't see any marines around them which would be typical around those kinds of shots instead you've got sort of a almost like a 10th downing place uh shot where it's just like an ordinary couple moving into a home and they look so in love and so good uh i thought that was a beautiful way to end it and that walk down pennsylvania avenue just just really well done the whole thing very well produced um we've got a special guest tonight by the way He's oh, here. I'm
1: excited. I'm excited for
3: Hello,
0: you. stuttering John. <laughs> how are you? How's it going?
3: Good. How you doing?
0: Hey. We're good. We're good. We're all just talking about the the inauguration and our thinking about it. Our thoughts. What did you think as you were taking it in?
3: I loved it, and like Greg once said on my show, "It's the adults are back in the house," and you know, and that is the most. That's the greatest quote because, like. I just had somebody, I, you know, I just did my beer on the balcony today, and somebody said, did you see what Joe Biden tweeted today? And I said <laughs> no, and he goes, yeah, isn't that great? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but does this worry you a little bit that we might not have something to talk about now? Like, what are we going to do? We're going to have, like, you know, we, we sort of have uh, used our time quite well fighting Trump, but then what do you do with the Biden administration if everything is going to be running so flawlessly?
3: But oh, i will <laughs> I'll say just one thing because I had the great I'm sure we all know and love him, Glenn Kirshner on my show yesterday. Yeah. And we were talking about Charles Flynn. I, I, I'm sure you guys know this story that, you know, that that people in the Capitol were asking uh you know asking the National Guard for help. And Charles Flynn was privy to that conversation and denied it. -hmm. Denied them help
2: on January 6th. Yeah, yeah, on on January
3: 6th. This, as Glenn said, this is this is criminal, Mm -hmm. and all the people involved. It's that I mean, this is an insurrection, and the only thing that I hope is that they're all held accountable every single damn one of them from Josh Hawley to Ted Cruz. To Donald Trump, to Rudy, and to Don Jr., they should all be held accountable.
0: You are 100%. Because that, that really stuck with me, this Charles Flynn story. I'll put up a little slide for us to take a look at here. But, you know, so he is the brother of Mike Flynn. Now, he got, a, he got a testy because he said today in the Washington Post that any suggestion that his brother's relationship would somehow influence his actions, he categorically denies. And he says, I take it as a bit of questioning of my integrity. So those are my uh-huh. thoughts on that. And in fact, that's exactly what we're questioning. That's exactly what I'm decent questioning is, why is Charles Flynn at a meeting about his brother's uh, you know, insurrectional coup, whatever he's doing, and he's in a meeting about how to handle that, and that to me is already a conflict of interest. But then he goes on to not even denounce what his brother's thinking is. Like he doesn't have any criticism to say about Mike Flynn's uh, Qanon affiliations or his white supremacy affiliations. He doesn't say anything bad about that. He just sort of, you know, he skirts that whole issue. And then the third thing is he leaves the meeting early. Why did he leave the meeting early? Like, Did he go have a call to make to someone to say, hey, the National Guard is coming in? Because that's what his impression leaving the meeting was the National Guard are gonna be sent in. So why did he leave the meeting so early? Like, Was it so necessary to leave early and who, what did he do? Did he call somebody right away? Was it Mike Flynn? Did he have any contact with Mike Flynn? I mean, those kind of questions are- Well, we'll are, find out. Well, well I hope we so. We will find out.
2: And he, why did he he they lie about him? early? Look, he can be as indignant as he wants to be. Yeah. His brother is a traitor. His brother is a liar. His brother is a, is an insurrectionist. His brother is a has been running a uh, a military grade psyop on the American people. Much of it incredibly illegal. Um, so he his brother is a disgrace. He was and convicted his, his nephew, or about to be convicted. His brothers, He was convicted. His brother's son also his nephew a mm-hmm. disgrace for what he did in the 2016 campaign and how involved he was with all of the information terrorists that helped to inspire the insurrection his his, his nephew knows Ollie alexander so spare me your indignity right yeah. and and the one thing that came out on that you know what we're about to learn whether you know families of paid foreign agents, which Mike Flynn was and didn't disclose it for two countries, that families of paid foreign agents, otherwise sometimes known as spies, Mm -hmm. um, especially when they don't disclose, when they don't register. And Mike uh, Flynn was a spy for
0: Turkey and for Russia.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And he he tried to uh, abduct a cleric, a a U.S. resident, and kidnap him and bring him over. Uh, to serve up to Erdogan for Erdogan's own version of bone saw justice. I guess who fucking knows. That's th- Mike Flynn. Mm-hmm. So, I, uh, you know, his it, we're going to find out whether those families are like mafia families, right? That's what we're about to find out. And in many cases, I suspect there's quite a lot of overlap in that blood oath and that blood loyalty between those two groups. Number two. His, he was told by the head of the Capitol Police when they were calling, begging for help. This is the reporting. They are in this. It's. Uh, they're here. They're rioters. We need help. We need reinforcements. We are overwhelmed. This is while the Capitol Police officers are lying on the ground, bleeding to death, dead. Yes. Okay. They called him and that motherfucker, what did he say? He said, they're peaceful protesters. That was his on the record response in that moment when a when the head of the capitol police is calling for help he's objecting to it how did he know that why is he believing that he knows more about what these people are in the moment in the midst of a, a violent riot and insurrection and invasion of our capital than the actual law enforcement head of the law enforcement on the ground why isn't he listening to the head of the capitol police why is he objecting saying No, those are peaceful protesters to which the head of the Capitol Police, I believe that's who it was, said back to him, uh, They're not anymore.
0: (laughs) They're not anymore, and they are violent right now, and he refused to stick with them. They're violent right
2: now. So I I don't want to hear it from this man because clearly he knew what he had some preconception of what this was all going to be and knew that those people were heading to the Capitol and were going to be doing their quote unquote protests at the Capitol, which of course turned into a violent riot because they've all been, their brains have all been scrambled and inside of there are all these proud boys and all of these, uh, you know, active measures, violent fuckers right in there to that actually were insurrectionists and actually ready to execute their plan Going was to be hallways, violent calling out for pets. Yeah. their plan was to be violent so why is he carrying the propaganda in that moment and yeah. why did he even know that
0: the concern in the room was that he they didn't want the bad optics of the national guard facing off against these armed insurrectionists that's not bad optics that's your job that's not something you can think is with bad, op, uh, bad optics. It's yes. insane that we've been in this situation. I wanna say something that, uh, you know, just to put it very bluntly, we are still in a national security crisis because yeah. if those yeah. guys are still in there running the military with all their, you know, one in five of the protesters at the Capitol riots or call them what you would, the siege, one in five is a veteran or a military member, current serving military member. That's 20% of that crowd there's a lot of people inside the military that are sympathetic to that group of people and now you, there's potentially an armed you know a, a command structure that is also maybe influenced by the mike flynn uh, insurrection plans and and you know who knows who else this makes me feel like we're in a national security crisis and still there you know we're still as urgently in that crisis as we were before because there's nothing stopping them from trying again especially if they've still already built the structures that they've even tried once
1: well, the, the good news is yeah. that we have, you know, somebody in charge who's going to do something about it. My question is, how yeah. many siblings does this asshole have? <laughs> there was like, his sister was singing the national anthem or "God Bless America." And his uh, brother no. with this thing, and yeah. these are not good-looking people. Let's—is let's, let's, there only three, or there more? Like, how many are we? Go- are we going to read about another Flynn sibling doing something fucking awful like a week from now? As many as he has lawyers run a report on this because I don't, I, I, I don't like it. And I was going to say before he left that meeting early in exactly the same way that Jared Kushner left the meeting early with the uh, the adoptions meeting early.
0: I remember that. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: Maria Bettina was back in the news yeah. a little bit this week. We're going to learn um did you see that oh That's, i
2: even oh my god i called yeah. i didn't see that but i called her out i'm like bring maria butina back that was Do, more fun than the this. reason
0: she's in the news yeah. is because she uh paul Erickson oh, was the oh, operator that they started oh. a company together and they were funneling funds out of uh the nra oh, yeah he got pardoned to, to russia and back well he is one of the two people of the new two people that uh, trump pardoned on the way out the door the other one is elliot brody these two people are Serious criminals, serious criminals, and were involved in taking foreign money and funneling into the Trump uh, campaign, either through the NRA or through Qatar or whomever other uh, was trying to buy their influence in in the inauguration. These guys are not the kind of people that Donald Trump should be allowed to um in any way pardoned because he's a co-conspirator with them do you guys have any sense and i know we spoke a little bit about this to to glenn as well in our show a few days ago do you have any sense of how he thinks he's going to get away with having these guys pardoned
2: i want john i want to hear what john has to say about these
1: partners. yeah yeah if i want to talk without being interrupted i'll go on john's show john talk <laughs> 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 Well,
3: I, I think I think everyone should be held accountable. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I I know I'm not talking about the pardons, but I I was I'm still on the Lauren Bobert thing. Yeah, and and I'm just I can't even let that go right now because she was literally telling the insurrectionists where the Speaker of the House was. And what I cannot understand, Zev, Greg, and LB, I cannot understand how she could still be in Congress being, you know, aiding and abetting the insurrectionists, and no one's talking about that. Why? What is going on?
1: It is kind of crazy. Well, I mean... I guess she's going to get I'm called as a witness at the impeachment trial, yeah. I would think. Right.
2: Probably. I want the head of the FBI. Now that Joe Biden's in there, get Chris Ray in front of some kind of uh, Senate committee, House committee. And let's start asking. We need a. A briefing by this guy because we still haven't even had that of what you know he just sort of did a conference and said some stuff amongst other people but not a full on you know briefing of tell us tell us where the investigation is tell us what you know about these about the planning about the operations the coordination the communications um, what who who was it from oath keepers three percenters were there the base which is the most violent and deadly, uh, one of them, uh, white uh, extremist domestic terrorist groups that we have, literally Al-Qaeda translated as, uh, in English as the base, Um, uh, and Proud Boys of these, uh, those sort of, those big ones, um, why were some of, who was there and present of that? What about the leaders that they were able to give sort of a tap tap on the shoulder? And, And we do have that reporting and told them, you know, the FBI was like, We know what you're planning. Do not come. Right. And so if the FBI knew what was being planned and actually warned the leadership, the most dangerous folks out there not to come or they'd be immediately arrested, was the president also briefed on this, was, you know, General Flynn's brother also briefed on this, what, you know, that, Uh, What was the FBI doing in terms of briefing the administration? Not that the administration wasn't aware of everybody coming because, again, as I keep saying, the conspiracies and the white supremacy and the terrorism was coming from inside the House, from the administration out. It wasn't just something happening out there that he was capitalizing on. He was our former president was at the heart of all of this with his son, with Giuliani, with Mike Flynn, with Eric Prince, with, you know, this Roger Stone and Steve Bannon that this is what these guys, these motherfuckers have been up to this whole time. Excuse my French. So I want to know what did the FBI know before this thing happened? And did they inform so that we can, we can know that they were actually briefed and we can't they, you know, the administration or any of these people brought in, the former administration brought in front and especially for the trials coming up, can claim, oh, we didn't know. We didn't know how bad, we thought it was just a peaceful protest. You know, they were just gonna be, it was gonna be Brooks Brother, Brooks Brother Riot 2.0, you know, I, I wanna know. What were they told? Good Why job. can't we get that? Why can't we get this information?
3: But, good point, but the other thing that I wanted I, I don't know if you saw it today, Alexandria Ocasio—wait, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez—said that she even she doesn't know if she could. Like, she fears who's in her own, you know, yeah. Congress yeah. right now. I mean, I mean, that's insane. That our these own... Republicans
0: keep going in with guns.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, could you imagine not like going to work and and being afraid to work with your colleagues who are supposed to be
1: representing the American people in a democracy? Yeah. Some That's of them are clearly huh? some Nazi ass people. There, that that Madison Cawthorn guy is basically Doctor Strangelove as yeah. a as a young man, right? He, <laughs> he's a
2: Nazi. <laughs> and, uh, yes.
1: I made that up. Oh, perfect, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Uh,
2: yes. Yeah. Oh so, my like, god! like, he's he's a
1: fraud, and he's these guys are packing it's heat. Hard. Andy Harris of and Maryland brought a gun into the into the things. And it's like, uh, what are you doing? You do not need to have firearms there. You, you don't need it. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, they're, they're doing like,
2: their swagger, right? This is their uh, swagger. This will be their content. This is for the what they oh, think- Are you gonna jump to out of an
1: airplane and be like, I'm a pirate? Yeah, they're like, like
2: yeah. you know, and they're like, oh, we're gonna upset the libs. We're gonna set them off because we have a right to carry our arms. And they're trying, they're doing this. They're, they're running their political op in the middle of, you know, this sort of it also uh, a, the topic. a real event, because they're still not processing, or they don't want to be part of the processing of how real this thing is. You know, these guys still think, and women think they can do fantasy role play with this all, this whole thing. It's just a big cosplay, um, and that there, that you know, that will somehow continue to work. Let me tell you, it's going to fall apart. It's going to fall apart on them in a big way. There was money behind that insurrection, real money. It's being tracked down. It's going to be bad.
0: This goes back to what John make- was saying about us not ahead. taking it seriously. I mean, there's sort of a sense that this was sort of either like role play or something, but it wasn't an actual insurrection attempt. And it, it was. I mean, we can't keep like you know people in the media aren't even recalling it, calling it a siege or an insurrection. Now it's a it's a capital riots. Um, you know, there's very yeah, it's little. Not com- a riot. There's very little investigation being done between, to the point you were making, LB, about you know, uh, and John about why are the why are these senators in there trying to delay the vote by finding all these mechanisms to delay the vote? They were doing yeah. it in order to allow these insurrectionists time to do their business out there to kill more people and maybe right. find mike pence and maybe find um you know um speaker pelosi and put them into some sort of compromising position it's a very serious event i don't think there's been anything like this in american history and everyone sort of sort of let's shrug our shoulders and move on we can't no, do the that
1: the last time the last time something happened so. like this was when so. booth shot lincoln period yeah. yeah that was the last historical event that's even remotely like this yeah exactly and, I, and i'm not exaggerating that's what they were there to do and john to your point uh the LARPers, you know, the, the role play, cosplay people that we made fun of, that's eighty-five percent of those people. They're just there for the whatever. But there were other people there that were there to do violence. You know, I think there's different there's a different types of people that were involved in this event.
3: Ex military, ex cops. Yes. I mean I yep, mean yep. they had a plan.
1: Mm-hmm. They had a plan. Yep. yep. But the dorky, the guy with the horns, people, and all this, the idiot people are there uh, as yeah. a distraction. I,
2: yeah, yeah that's a distraction. All of these people have been radicalized, though. So. All of them.
1: Yes.
2: Right. Yep. Uh, and so, and and what we're now seeing, because uh, inside of the psychological torture machine that is QAnon, that's just in, in, intentional. That that's a weapon, by the way. Everyone needs to think of that as a weapon. It's a psyop. It's a propaganda. This is how dangerous propaganda is. John, you know, I've been on your show with you talking about how dangerous this shit is. Um, it is uh, it is a weapon of war, and this is what it looks like um, it, when it's, you know, matched with... Uh, the kinds of tools and architecture and structure that on, that the online virtual world allows uh, to happen for people. Okay, so it's not. This isn't about fake news. This is about creating an alternate reality. Um, there are ways to do that that are, the gaming world knows very well that takes people into. Um, and if you put if you're putting propaganda in there, um, rather than just uh, playing a game. Um, but it's the same architecture. You're taking people's minds into an area where they literally lose touch with reality altogether. It's very dangerous shit. It's a military grade. <laughs> PSYOP was unleashed on people. That's what it is. Everyone needs to think of it that way. I do think it's psychological torture. So um, so you have now, because part of that prophecy cult, um, part of that torture machine that, that PSYOP was that in a, on inauguration, you know this big event was going to happen that didn't happen, right? Joe Biden became president. Everything went. Reality happened, right? Whenever it crashes up against reality, um, you there is a huge swath now that is disenfranchised, upset. It was all bullshit. It was all larping. You know they're seeing it, and in comes the other group that's been radicalized and has been behind a lot of radicalization themselves the very violent extremist domestic terror groups right the violent extremist white supremacist militias that are loaded up with ex-vets and um or vets ex-military um cops all of that right because those groups are heavily targeted oath keepers specifically targets uh, ex-military right and they get databases of, uh, you know, Vets for Trump. They get all these databases full of veterans and they pump the propaganda, pump the propaganda and radicalize, radicalize, radicalize. Now you get in this sort of army is happening, okay? It's an insurgency. Absolutely. And as these QAnon folks, they're getting picked up and sweeped in by the extremists. It actually has a chance to become even more dangerous now if we don't figure out how to address this. And it all goes back to how you open the show, Zev, with this is about the war on truth. Mm-hmm. It, it's all connected back to that. Um, so why we have to hold everyone accountable, John, is so that the reality has its reckoning. <laughs> Reality and truth needs a reckoning mm-hmm. um, against the, uh, you know against these lies um, because they're so dangerous. They were so carefully put together, so carefully orchestrated out of that former administration as to become a weapon in and of itself. It was supported by the Murdochs. It was supported by Bannon and Breitbart, by mainstream media machine, as well as an online media machine. It's all of that architecture is hooked into these databases with folks. And they're just pumping, pumping, pumping. Pumping propaganda. Down. Well, then here's my got to, question. You've gotta bring an end to it.
0: Right, John.
3: I'm sorry. I mean, here's my question, though, and this is the scariest part: is are Republican senators gonna hold Donald Trump accountable in this impeachment? Now, I mean, they have to. If they don't, then it it, it that it literally is saying that it's okay to defy democracy. I mean. Like, are they going to do it? Lindsey Graham's out there saying, oh, we should leave Donald Trump alone. Like, I don't understand that. This guy, you know, incited an insurrection. He should be held accountable. Rudy, Don Jr., Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, all should be held accountable. If they're not, then we are doing the wrong job, and these people should be out of office.
0: For sure because they'll be back with more you know john i always get a sense that you because of your howard stern history and, and whatnot you you might have a better sense of what's going on in the middle of the country than you know us sitting here on the in the in the west coast and the east coast but how do you convince you know middle america especially the ones that have come under this kind of influence how do you convince them that they've been lied to
3: yeah, look howard stern right now is having the same problem because he is a firm a uh, non-supporter of Trump and he's lost a lot of his base because people, you know, can't because they're so in love with Trump. Don't really? forget, this all started with uh, the Tea Party. If you can recall, when Obama... Got elected. Mitch McConnell said our main goal is to make sure he's a one term president. The Tea Party was formed. They go to Washington with racist posters and everything else. Like all this hate started. I mean, obviously, it started a lot, a lot, a lot longer than that, but it's all seemed to be going in this direction. So, me, no, I can't speak. To these Confederate flag holders, Zev. I mean, you know what I mean? I don't understand. Like, I don't understand any kind of racism. But this is what it is. I mean, all these guys are uh, the Confederate flag and everything else. I mean, uh, the uh, Camp Auschwitz. I mean, these people are all about hate and bigotry.
0: Yeah,
2: that's right. Racism.
0: So even if they are convinced that, you know, QAnon was a lie, and even if they're convinced that Donald Trump didn't win the election, they'd still be in the same headspace, you're arguing? They'd still be the same racist, confederate-loving people that they were? Zev, only, what was it, 19%
3: of Republicans uh, think the election wasn't rigged. Only 19%. (laughs) Right. I right. mean, when it's been proven it's a, a billion times over, I mean, right. how do you convince? It's like trying to convince a flat earther that the world is round. It's just like, I don't know if you can penetrate those brains if they even have one.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you read the Ann Applebaum column today in The Atlantic? There was a interesting read where she spoke about how the only option to deal with these insurrectionist types or these white supremacists is by coexisting with them and trying to bring them alongside uh and you know trying to like shame them or or in any way hurt them is actually going to be counterproductive. Uh, and she she estimated, I think, that as many as 10 to 15% of the U.S. population are truly seditious. Now, that does not sound like a large number, except it's 10 to 15% of the U.S. population. It's a lot of people. Um, and yeah. it's a you know, huge concern if you think that that many people are in that mindset. And she also did this really interesting thing where she sort of wandered around the world, showing different examples of what other countries have done. Um, And she looked at uh, Ireland, Colombia, and Iraq. Those are all countries that have had sort of the same kind of secessionist movements or insurrection movements. Uh, In Ireland, they landed up building lots of community centers, uh, helping them uh, develop uh, job centers and helping the young people get together, not really confronting the main issue, but trying to build community. In Colombia, they actually pay them to return to normal life because there they sell a lot of drugs right. to make money for the FARC. But instead, they, they pay them to return to normal life um, just to keep them on this straight and narrow. And in Iraq, and this really didn't work, uh, is when they named and shamed all the, the Ba'athists. Um, uh, but this is sort of the, you know, this is the paradigm the Atlantic at least, or at Applebaum is looking at, at where we we're heading. It's kind of so bizarre to think of that in the United States of America.
1: Well, uh, I, you know. Uh, go you ahead. Think okay i have a little bit of sympathy for the people that read this stuff and 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 i there's a there's a misconception i think that the people that believe some of this stuff are dumb or stupid or gull or or even gullible right because it takes a certain amount of intelligence and 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 caring to even read and try to figure it all out part of the problem the QAnon problem happens because the media sucks. That's one of the byproducts of our media sucking and being incapable of telling us what the fucking truth is. The reason we've said right. we said this on Tuesday night, the reason that people are watching this show, the reason that people read my Twitter feed and LB's and yours is because the media has failed. Mm-hmm. And we have been able yep. to figure out to some degree with plenty of mistakes what's better sourced, right? That's what we're trying to do here. So uh, in the absence of that, in the absence of being able to read a newspaper and, and just take it for granted that it's telling you the truth, people's minds say, okay, we know this is maybe not true, now what? And the QAnon story, part of it is believable. Part of it is that there is a network of Sex traffickers who are very wealthy uh, that we, we don't want you to know what's going on. That part is kind. Of, it's kind of true. Tracks. Yeah, right. There's a
0: lot of human. Tra- yeah, the part there's a human trafficking. That's
1: that Donald Trump <laughs> yeah. is going to solve it. <laughs> <Right>. That's insane.
0: <laughs> right. That's
1: where because, it breaks yeah. down for me. Right. I, like, uh, oh, the guy that raped fifty women is the one who's going to save the women. Okay. Sure.
0: I mean, you, but, that's but, the reason no, they no, launched no, it, no, right?
1: No, no, no. The kernel of it is okay. there, and I we're going to get to the Unger piece in, mm. in Vanity Fair, but this is a good segue to it. It is. Should we segue <laughs> to it, it now?
0: let absolutely do.
2: I want to say one thing on Anne to close that part out, and then I really want this segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Anne, is she really knows what she's talking about when it comes to um, how Uh, you can have this sort of faction, an extremist faction in the body politic of a nation, break off and kind of gain power and gain, you know, it's that what John was saying with the Tea Party, what the difference is, yes, hate's always been there, racism's always been there. But that was the moment that a one Party of a two party political system literally looked at them and said, you're the future, right? And embraced that, right? And, and that's the the Republican embrace of, of all of that is why we ended up where we ended up. So yep. the one thing I would add into Anne's piece, which I didn't read and I wanna read, but if it wasn't there, is that those three examples don't include the threat that we're also up against, which is hate is a very addictive thing. It is. Um, And people who get radicalized around hate, around supremacy specifically, it's very difficult for them to detach from that, Um, no matter what kind of community you give them. And in our nation, uh, they're the wealthiest set of the population. So it's not that they're not disenfranchised, they own shit, right? Mm. They run things. And then on top of that, they also have, we all have these very powerful radicalization tools that didn't exist in either one of those three examples um, that you put up on screen, those other nations. It's just a new time and a new era in terms of the fueling and the support, the foundation now underneath and the connective tissue for the radicalization around hate of the most protected privileged class of people in a nation.